as the crow flies on the Vance Crow Podcast. Kolya Zadatis, welcome to the podcast. Hi. So the last time you and I saw each other, it was about 3 a.m. in a bar in East Berlin where we were talking all things about politics and European uh, political movements and all sorts of crazy things. And we've stayed in touch, but never uh, gotten on the phone and spoken with one another until a global pandemic. So you are living in Germany right now uh, as the global pandemic of coronavirus is going on. How are things in Germany right now? Right. So I'm still in Berlin. I'm still a journalist. Um, um, things are quite quiet in Berlin. So we've, it depends on the state, actually. So some German states have been more strict. They've had a kind of lockdown policy. Um, Berlin is a bit more liberal. Um, so there's limits. You can go out with your household, so with the people you live with. So that could be parents with kids or as a couple or as people sharing an apartment, something like that, or in groups of two, but nothing bigger than that. So as big as your household gets, or groups of two people. So people are using the time to do all kinds of things. So I played some table tennis with my mom today, and you can see people going for a run or, or working out uh, in a park or... Um, but always in, in very small groups. So there's no big, nothing big going on. The, the streets are pretty deserted, much less traffic. Um, it's really, really quiet. Um, so so you, you have been in a unique position there because uh, you're not just hanging out with your family under quarantine. You just got out of the hospital while in, in Germany, right? That's right. I spent some days, I got out of hospital a few days ago. I was actually in a Corona ward until my test results came through, which said that I was corona negative. But um, I admitted myself to hospital for the first time in my life. I've never been to hospital. Because um, uh, a few days ago, I, I started having some strong pain in the right side of my body. And I called an ambulance at about um, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And they did a CT scan in hospital and found out that I had um, a, a pulmonary embolism, so a blood clots in, in both lungs, and pneumonia in my right lung. So uh, first time in my life I was uh, I went to hospital, I took an ambulance. Um, it was pretty deserted, so they'd cancelled all unnecessary surgery, those kind of things. They, they were in the process of clearing the hospital, so they'd... Um, They'd set up one corona ward and they were in the process of setting up two other corona wards. So big parts of the hospital dedicated to being prepared for corona, basically. And what happened to me, it was clear after about two hours that I, I'd had an, a pulmonary embolism. So I would need medication against uh, blood clot, blood thinning medication. And I needed a painkiller and antibiotics. Um, and they'd done a corona test just to see if that could be the origin of these problems. It turned out after seven days it wasn't, so the results took seven days to get in. Uh, and then they released me because I was getting better anyway because the antibiotics were working and I was feeling okay. So I got to go home after seven days 
What um, was going on in your head when you're sitting at home and you're deciding, do I really want to call the ambulance? I mean, I, for me, I've done everything I can to position myself so that me and my family don't have to go to the emergency room up into a, a small gunshot wound. I think we could handle here because I don't <laughs> yeah, want to go to the hospital. It, it took me quite a while to decide. So I was trying to see how strong the pain is. Uh, I, I had no idea where, where it was coming from as well. I had no idea what was wrong with me. It was just clear to me that something was very wrong with me. And it, it took me maybe two hours or so to decide to, to call because I'd been, I'd been bad all, all afternoon and it wasn't getting better. So I thought just the better call now. And then when I arrived at the hospital, it was actually really, really quiet. So I got to see a doctor very quickly. It took about an hour to see a doctor and about two hours to get the CT scan done. And by then I knew what was wrong with me then. So it was a very quiet night at the hospital. Like I said, they were they were just starting to prepare the hospital for the supposed onslaught of, of corona patients. And they put me in one of the in the first corona ward, which they prepared. And in the course of the week, they, they set up two other similar wards. I imagine myself being in that situation and thinking how terrifying it would be to say, well, what if I don't have coronavirus and now I've just surrounded myself with all these people that have coronavirus? Were those thoughts going through your head? I, I was told that they were, there were um, two definite patients with corona on my ward and the rest were apparently people waiting for their test results to come in. So just the possibility of corona. But I was in my room all on my own, so I didn't interact with the patients very much. We all had single rooms. And um, the medical staff was, was very careful, so they all had masks, and they all had to throw away their clothing every time they interacted with me, which was quite interesting. So they, they just dumped their protective um, sort of vest, which they pull over. They, they take it off immediately and throw it away once they leave the room pretty interesting so I, I felt very safe because i didn't really interact with anybody except for the medical staff regularly so you're in a unique position and you have a very unique background we could be having a podcast even if there wasn't coronavirus going on because you've been a journalist at least when we were speaking you were on the side of liberty and trying to say hey we want to have very low government intervention and these things stop the free market so uh, how has coronavirus uh, been handled by the German government? How have things progressed? What are your thoughts on how all this is working? Well, Germany is a very federally organized country, so everything is up to the state governments. So it's um, um, sort of a hodgepodge of different approaches. So it can be quite strict. There are states in Germany which are in a kind of state of complete lockdown. And there's others like Berlin, which are a bit more liberal. Um, so in general, I think Germany has been a country which has been taking it quite seriously. There's been reports that maybe things have been going too far. So um, a woman has been stopped for, for paddling a kayak on her own on a body of water, just completely on her own. Or there's been reports of people being stopped who've been um, going for a walk on their own, those kind of things. I haven't heard of that in Berlin, but there have been reports from other states. So maybe the police might in some cases be overreacting. So as you said, I 
usually tend towards liberty. I think there's been a lot of, I have a libertarian position generally. I think there's been a lot of overreach in what the state has been doing in a lot of Western countries. I think um, we've had problems with liberty. We've had problems with drawing a line and, and limiting what the state does. So I've had a lot of time now to think about this also in hospital because I think we should take it seriously. I think Germany has a, a really good chance of um, the healthcare system not collapsing under Corona. I think the way we're handling it at the moment, the way we've prepared more intensive care units and so on, I think we're quite well equipped. And if people do do the social distancing and so on, so I think I've had... I've been a bit on the fence on this because I do recognize that we need to limit what the state does. I've heard reports of things which I find worrying, like someone being stopped for, for kayaking on their own and so on. But then I, I don't have a problem with, say, uh, closing schools or um, closing churches. You can, you can do a lot by video. You can uh, transmit things like lessons. And, and um, so there is a lot you can do if you do shut down public life. So I kind of understand why we would do it. And I think we have a good chance of getting through this as a country really well, because we did take the right measures, I think. But it worries me some of the reports I've been hearing of people being stopped from sitting on a bench or those kind of things from going on a walk, then it goes too far. And yeah, it's yeah. been a very interesting time for me from a like moral philosophical standpoint, because when we first went into lockdown, I I was really reluctant. I understand why we need to do it. And then it just keeps going step after step further. And I recognize that we want to stop this virus. And for every uh, situation where you allow people to congregate, you increase the odds of people in the medical field to, to contract it because they don't have enough protective equipment. Um, but then at the same time, it really only took about three weeks of real deep fear for people to give up the right to assemble and the right to gather right. and, and be able to speak. And and I've heard many people say things like, well, if you can meet via online, that's good enough, that's sufficient, that, that means you're not stopping people from assembling in worship. And I don't know the answer to this. I know that I am really uncomfortable with shutting down those permissions. And I think most likely they'll come back when all this is over. But it, when the government tries to grab that much power, it's because it's easier to control people when you have authority to do it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it, it's been a tenuous thing. So I'm very curious about in, a, in the German context, particularly around my understanding that other times in German history, uh, for example, the, the rise of Hitler, that was around different pandemics. People were worried about disease at that time, too, and True, yeah, yeah. they were willing to give over to an authoritarian to help clean up the disease. Is my reading of history correct? Right, and the, the, the Reichstag fire, which was, of course, then constructed as a state of emergency, right? So most of Hitler's powers did not come when he was elected, but after the fire in the Reichstag building, so the parliament building, which was then constructed as a um, national emergency, basically. I don't know so, anything about this. Tell me more of this story. The Nazi party came to power and then vastly increased its powers after the fire at the Reichstag building, which was the, the parliament building in Berlin. So a few months later, after Hitler got elected, there was this this fire 
and that was basically the moment where Germany transformed into a dictatorship based on emergency powers which were given to Hitler as a reaction to this burning down of the parliament building. Um, this It's fascinating to me because it's I, I see the passion and the desire for other for that, that people give. So when I put out a podcast that was um, with a person that was suggesting we should not shut down the economy, people should have complete free movement. Mm -hmm. I got more hate for that than anything else I've done. And I've done some controversial things in the past, but never anything like uh -huh. this. And then just yesterday, I was watching the national news and a member of our board of uh, federal uh, of the Federal Reserve, a guy named Bullard, said, well, I think that uh, one of the ways that we're going to get the economy started is we're going to have an antibodies test. And if you if you come off as you have had coronavirus, but you're no longer symptomatic, then you can just wear a badge that says you go back right, to work. Yeah. And you're like, well, on one hand, that's a really sensible idea. You know, we need to know who can get it and who can, who hasn't gotten it yet. And uh, but on the other hand, you're talking about legislating people wearing badges. That's seems right. to me to be also the potential problem. for real bad news. Yeah. yeah, like I said, I've I've been on the fence. I've read reports of, of crazy stuff happening in Germany, in the UK, like I said, just complete overreactions, like some mayor closed down two hiking trails in the forest, two forest trails because the trails cross so people might meet on a, on a, in the forest where two it's complete overreactions of stopping someone like i said who's in her kayak paddling on her stopping people spending time outside um so we've heard reports we've heard reports being people being stopped from sunbathing in the uk those kind of things so there have been overreactions but i'm a bit on the fence because i do see the point of taking measures which could like i say closing schools closing places of worship closing sports venues uh nightclubs i kind of get the point of that and so, i think if we do that we have a chance of getting through this um pretty well I've, I, germany and probably other developed countries have a if they do the right thing so i i'm still a bit on the fan and i see the problem also the political problems for freedom of assembly those kind of things if you stop people from being able to do a, a political demonstration, those that that worries me, of course, that we have a the state of emergency, we expand the powers of the state. Um well and there was a really weird thing going on, on Twitter. There there was a guy named Eric Weinstein that said uh he started posting the new Twitter terms of service where Twitter has said if you are putting out information that runs contrary to the World Health Organization and right, to scary, uh, yeah you know, uh -huh. these other other official positions, then we're going to take your content down and we may ban you from the platform. And you think about, well, two weeks ago, those places were saying, don't wear masks, they don't really help right, you. Yeah. And so we need to have contrarian positions. It is exactly, deeply yeah. important, particularly as there's, as there's counterbalance news, like you, you got to have that. Changing the subject, um, what is Germany's economy like? And what do you think happens when the most of the able-bodied workers are told they have to stay in their homes well i think the main thing is small businesses who, which suffer so it's going to be cafes um barber shops those kind of places um florists um just um small businesses are going to be hit and lots of them are going to die 
Is Germany think, having the same kind of uh, stimulus packages where they're sending right, money they're to individuals? That. I'm not quite sure what the current status of that is being um, discussed or being shaped right now, what the response is going to be. So it's going to be some kind of stimulus package. Yeah. And as you look at what has happened with Spain and Italy, they, these are EU countries that do you think that they felt like the overall larger EU supported them? Or do, I mean, I'm, and that's kind of a leading question because the only thing I've seen is people burning EU flags, but it might just be that my, my uh, particular sw- uh, bent on Twitter is leans more towards those types of people. Right. I think um, the crisis has shown how much we still do on a national level. So it's kind of a bit demystified the EU because there's always the idea that our problems are now global. So we need these global institutions to, to deal with them. But I think that's been kind of demystified a, a bit. I think we're seeing that a lot of the responses are, are national and a lot of stuff still happens on a national level, policy level. Yeah, for me, I think this really drives home um, a philosophy that I've had that not only is the federalist system a good one where you have the states as opposed to one large na- large mm-hmm. nation, but really it comes down to how is your city handling it? How are your right, mayors? Yeah. How are your local hospital administrators? Because yeah. that is going to determine live or die. I mean, you can have this swing in effect of the federal government to be able to say, we're going to give you money or access to these sorts of resources. But at the end of the day, all the policing is done on the local level. All of the lockdowns are, are done on the right. lo- on the local level. And even if you put in a national stay at home order, you're still going to have to have local people there to enforce it. So to me, this is a major win for uh, everybody that's now thinking about cities and how important it is to focus on your more local government. Right, yeah, it is. The response depends a lot on the local level. So in, in Berlin, they're sort of refunctioning um, the trade fair area. So they're where they usually do the trade fairs, they're, they're building a, a new hospital, a temporary corona hospital. Yeah, so it, it d- depends on decisions of mayors, those kind of things, yeah very local yeah so what do you think is going to change uh in germany now that once we enter this post-corona world what what do you think is going to be things that will not be the same as they were before you started Mm, well i i I think a lot of small businesses are going to be dead and we'll see how it works out for larger businesses have a better chance of a a lot of a lot more people dependent on welfare, like higher unemployment, definitely. And we'll see how it goes with civil liberties. So we'll see how much of these emergency measures become permanent. So that, that's kind of something we should worry about. Um, and are you still writing? Are you still are yeah, you still yeah. on the beat? What are you writing about? What are the stories that are going to be the the ones that you're itching to write down? I I haven't really written about Corona at the moment. Like I, th- I think it's interesting the point you made about the um, supranationalism. So how much of this is even resolvable on a supranational level or even at a national level? So I think that that's really interesting. That's something I could imagine writing about because it kind of demystifies this uh, globalist myth that um, we need these global responses to problems. I think that's kind of being put into perspective by this crisis. So that's something I could imagine writing over, about. Over the weekend, I spent a lot of time thinking about 
you know, the, the, the things that made certain cities super attractive, right? Like New York is high density. Um, you can have public transportation, so you don't have to have a car. You can do all these things, but those things that made that city really valuable are also the things that make it really vulnerable. And I was wondering aloud on Twitter, what are the qualities that might be attractive uh, for cities in the future? Because I can imagine there are a lot of people that are going to be stuck in a 400 square foot apartment in New York city, wondering what is it like in the middle of the country is are, are, right, is yeah, yeah, smaller right. cities somewhere else better. So it demystifies the hype around cities, sort of trendy cities a bit as well. Right? I think it has the potential. I think um, yeah. I also think, and this would be interesting to think what the Germans think of this. In the U.S., one of the major political discussions going on right now is why do we have so much of our goods produced abroad? And you, when you think about it, it, it's in the shareholders' interest almost always if you can find a cheaper labor pool. But it's not necessarily in the stakeholders' interest right, yeah. to have everything produced abroad. So I think this may generate a different kind of conversation. And to your point, a, a, a supra kind of nationalism where where people are saying, we want to make sure that masks and IV needles and all these things are produced in the U.S., even though it may cost us dramatically more. Is that going on in Germany? Yeah, and I think we'll see those kind of debates in, in lots of countries. So Germany has also restricted the exports of certain articles, right? So I think we'll be seeing those debates in a lot of countries. And I think we'll have um, economic globalization is going to be rolled back a little bit. I think we're going to have yeah more autonomy. Or, um, yeah. And um when you think of like right now in the grocery stores on April 6th of 2020, how are they doing? Are people queuing in lines? Is there, are there shortages of anything? How does it it's look in Germany? Shortages of, of toilet paper. That's the one thing we have. Huh. Everything else you can buy. Interesting. Everything else is fine. Um, the shops are pretty normal. The cashiers are protected by, they've mounted temporary, um, what do you call them, like visors or like walls, plexiglass, sort of see-through plastic walls around the, the um, cashiers. But apart from that, things look pretty normal. You can buy almost everything. Uh, How do you think this whole thing passes? Does everyone have to go through a coronavirus baptism or do we find a vaccine? What's your estimation of how we get back to normal life? I think we are currently almost on the en route to getting back to a normal life so i think i've read today also that the infections are falling again in france in italy in spain in germany we never really had this big of an outbreak so it's been quite quiet infections haven't been that high anyway so i think the social distancing as it's implemented now is is actually working and i think we're sort of nearing the end of the tunnel maybe by the end of next month i think um things will start getting back to normal we'll see restrictions being lifted by the end of april or by the end of may the end of may i think wow okay i think what we're, what we're doing is working i think the economy is going to suffer people will suffer people will have lost their jobs they will have lost their savings and so on but i think in terms of life going back to normal, I expect that by, by the end of next month, because we've social distanced enough to sort of put the brakes on, on the rise of infections. 
Well, yeah, it is shocking to me that my German libertarian friend is the most optimistic of anybody that I've spoken to around the world. So that's great. It it makes me feel uh, happy and hopeful that that that's what you're seeing um, east of us. So my final question, and you've kind of already referenced this, but what does the world look like in two weeks? In two weeks? In two weeks, it's not going to look much different from now. So people will get more and more bored. They're going to get more agitated, worried, of course, worried about their jobs. As um, I think in two weeks, not, not much will have changed. I think things might even get more stricter um, with restrictions on what we can do, how we can behave. Um, I think in two months, like I said, things um, will start looking more normal and we'll start clearing up the mess, which this interruption has caused, the interruption of the economy. So it's going to have long-term effects for months, years probably. Um, I think two, two weeks from now, nothing much will have changed. So people will still be doing their social distancing. We'll have quite draconian measures in some parts of the world, um, maybe overreactions of the authorities. Um, but... Um, yeah, that's that's what I expect. Well, Kolya, this has been uh, very interesting and it's enlightening to hear what's going on in Germany. If people wanted to uh, read your writings or follow you on Twitter, I've followed you for years. I, I read a lot of what you put out whenever I, I catch it. So how can people uh, uh, get a hold of you or see what you're doing? I'm on Twitter with onward underscore always. So Onward post- underscore always. Got it. Right, right. So, and that's where I, I uh, post most of the stuff I write, um, all, all of it. Most of it's in German, but, uh, and I post other things which, which might be interesting, just interesting links. So if people want to follow me, probably Twitter is, is best for that. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you made it out of the hospital with your uh, aneurysm, and uh, I, I wish you a speedy embolism. embolism. embolism Not an aneurysm, yeah. Blood, blood clot. That's right. Well, yeah. thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to do this, Kolya. I really appreciate you uh, making this work. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, great fun. And I look forward to listening to the other podcasts you've done about Corona. Great. We'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs>